Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. Where, in every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Hey, y'all. We are trying something new on this season of the podcast. We are about to embark on a new experiment in delivery of the podcast to your ears. Our next new episode will include that feature. And today, we're going to give you an idea of what that treatment is like. So we've remixed another one of my favorite stories by Tobias Buckel. It's what we call a fully immersive story. It's got a binaural mix. You can listen to this however you usually listen to the podcast, through your car speakers, whatever. But if you want to get the full effect, you really should listen with headphones in. So you'll experience the sound kind of like this. The sound will feel like it's moving around you. I can be in front of you. I can be to the right. I can be kind of behind you. I could be really far away. Or I can be really close. Pretty cool, huh? We are incredibly excited about this technology, so please do let us know what you think and how you're enjoying it. Leave us a review or even an email at LeVarBurtonReads at gmail.com. Okay. On to the story. Enjoy, y'all. Well, we've got another fun episode for you today. It comes from the anthology New Sons, original speculative fiction by people of color, edited by Nisi Shaw, author of Black Betty. And if you check out the anthology, you'll see a foreword from little old me. Today's story is by Tobias Bakel who is a New York Times bestselling author born in the Caribbean. He's been nominated for the Nebula, the Hugo, and the John W. Campbell Awards. This story, entitled The Galactic Tourist Industrial Complex, is set in New York City in a world where intergalactic tourism from wealthy aliens is a main source of income for the United States. Tobias says that it stems from a trip he took to the Caribbean, where he witnessed one of those mega-tourist playgrounds, a a massively engineered attraction, like those fake islands that, that they create for tourists. As he says, it was like an alien world had been dropped onto the island in question. He's taken that idea 
added some of his usual dry humor and insight, and created today's story. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. The Galactic Tourist Industrial Complex by Tobias Buckel. When Galactics arrived at JFK, they often reeked of ammonia, sulfur, and something else that Tavi could never quite put a finger on. He was used to it all after several years of shuttling them through the outer tanks and waiting for their gear to spit ozone and adapt to Earth's air. He would load luggage, specialized environmental adaptation equipment, and cross-check the being's needs, itinerary, and sightseeing goals. What he wasn't expecting this time was for a 400-pound octopus-like creature to open the door of his cab a thousand feet over the new Brooklyn Bridge, filling the cab with an explosion of cold, screaming air and lighting up the dash with alarms. He also definitely wasn't expecting the alien to scream, Look at those fires! through a speaker that translated for it. So for a long moment after the alien jumped out of the cab, Tavi just kept flying straight ahead, frozen in shock at the controls. This couldn't be happening. Not to him. Not in his broken-down old cab he'd been barely keeping going. And with the re-up on the Manhattan license do so? To fly into Manhattan, you needed a permit. That was the first thing he panicked about because he'd recently let it lapse for a bit. The New York Tourism Bureau hadn't just fined him, but suspended him for three months. Davi had limped along on some odd jobs, tank cleaning at the airport, scrubbing out the backs of the cabs when they came back after a run to the island, and other muck work. But no, all his licenses were up to date, and he knew that it was a horrible thing to worry about as he circled the water near the bridge. He should be worrying about his passenger. Maybe this alien was able to withstand long falls, Tavi thought. Maybe. But it wasn't coming up. He had a contact card somewhere in the dash screen's memory. He tapped, calling the alien. Please answer. Please. But it did not pick up. What did he know about the alien? It looked like some octopus type thing. What did that mean? They shouldn't have been even walking around, so it had to have been wearing an exoskeleton of some kind. Could that have protected it? Tavi circled the water once more. He had to call this in, but then the police would start hassling him about past mistakes. Somehow this would be his fault. 
He would lose his permit to fly into Manhattan, and it was Manhattan that the aliens loved above all else. This was the real American experience, even though most of it was heavily built up with zones for varying kinds of aliens. Methane breathers in the garment district, the buildings capped with translucent covers and an alien atmosphere. Hydrogen types were all north of Central Park. He found the sheer number of shops fun to browse, but few of them sold anything of use to humans. In the beginning, a lot of researchers and scientists had rushed there to buy what the Galactics were selling. Sure, they could reverse engineer what they found. Turned out, it was a lot of cheap alien stuff that purported to be made in Earth, but wasn't. Last year, some government agency purchased a real human sports car that could be shipped back to the home planet of your choice. It had an engine inside that seemed to be some kind of anti-gravity device that got everyone really excited. It exploded when they cracked the casing, taking out several city blocks. When confronted about it, the tall, furry sauropod-like aliens that had several other models in their windows on Broadway shrugged and said it wasn't made by them. They just shipped them to Earth to sell. But... Galactics packed the city buying that shit when they weren't slouching beside the lakes in Central Park. If Tavi couldn't get to Manhattan, he didn't have a job. With a groan, Tavi tapped 911. There were going to be a lot of questions. He was going to be in it, up to his neck. But if he took off, they'd have his transponder on file, then he'd look guilty. With a faint clinching in his stomach, Tavi prepared for his day to go wrong. Tavi stood on a pier, wearing a gas mask to filter out the streams of what seemed like mustard gas that would seep out from a nearby building in Dumbo. The cops, also wearing masks, took a brief statement. Tavi gave his fingerprint, and then they told him to leave. Just leave? There were several harbor patrol boats hovering near where the alien had struck the water, but there was a lack of urgency to it all. Mostly, everyone seemed to be waiting around for something to happen. The cop taking Tavi's statement wore a yellow jumpsuit with logos advertising a financial district casino. Risk your money here just like they used to in the old stock market. Win big, ring the old bell. He nodded through his gas mask as he took notes. We have your contact info on file. We're pulling footage now. But uh, aren't you going to drag the river? Go. There was something in the cop's tone that made it through the muffled gas mask and told Tavi it was an order. He'd done the right thing in an impossible moment. He'd done the right thing. Right? He wanted to go home and take a nap. 
draw the shades and huddle in the dark and make all this go away for a day. But there were bills to pay. The cab required insurance, and the kinine fuel it used shipped down from orbit wasn't cheap. Every time the sprinklers under the cab missed it up and put down a new layer, Tavi could hear his bank account dropping. But you couldn't drive on the actual ground into Manhattan, not if you wanted to get a good review. Plus, the ground traffic flow licenses were even more whack than flying licenses because the interstellar tourists didn't want to put up with constant traffic snarls. Trying to tell anyone that traffic was authentic old Manhattan just got you glared at. So, four more fares. More yellowed gas mixing into the main cabin of the cab, making Tavi cough and his eyes water. The last batch, a pack of wolf-like creatures that poured into the cab, chittering and yapping like squirrels, requested he take them somewhere serving human food. Real human food. Not that shit engineered to look like it, but doctored so that our systems can process it. Tavi's dash had lit up with places the tourist bureau authorized for this pack of aliens that kept grooming each other as he watched them in his mirror. Yeah, okay. He took them to his cousin Jeff's place up in Harlem, which didn't have as many skyscrapers bubble-wrapped with alien atmospheres. The pack creatures were oxygen breathers, but they supplemented that with something extra running to their noses in tubes that occasionally wheezed and puffed a dust of cinnamon-smelling air. Tavi wanted some comfort food pretty badly by this point. While the aliens tried to make sense of the really authentic human menus out front, he slipped into the hot, gleaming stainless steel of the kitchens in the back. Ricky, Jeff shouted. You bring those dogs in? Yes, Tavi confessed, and Jeff gave him a half hug, his dreadlocks slapping against Tavi. Maybe they'll tip you a million. Shit, maybe they'll tip you a trillion. It was an old service job joke. How much did it cost to cross a galaxy to put your own eyes or light receptors on a world just for the sake of seeing it yourself? Some of the aliens who had come to Earth had crossed distances so great, traveled in ships so complicated, that they spent more than a whole country's GDP. A tip from one of them could be millions. There were rumors of such extravagances. A dish boy turned rich suddenly a tour guide with a place built on the moon. But the Tourism Bureau and the galactic-owned companies bringing the tourists here warned them not to overpay for services. The Earth was a fragile economy, they said. You didn't want to just run around handing out tips worth a year of some individual's salary. You could create accidental inflation or unbalanced power in a neighborhood. So the Apps on the tourist systems, whatever types of systems they used, knew what the local exchange rates were and paid folk down here on the ground proportionally. Didn't stop anyone from wishing, though. Jeff slid him over a plate of macaroni pie, some peas and rice, and chicken 
Harvey told him about his morning. You shouldn't have called the police, Jeff said. And what, just keep flying? The Bureau will blacklist you. They have to save face, and no one is going to want to hear about a tourist dying on the surface. It's bad publicity. You're going to lose your license into Manhattan. NYC Bureau's the worst man. Harvey cleaned his fingers on a towel, then coughed. The taste of cinnamon came up strong through his throat. You okay? Tavi nodded, eyes watering. Whatever the pack out there was sniffing, it was ripping through his lungs. You need to be careful, Jeff said. Get a better filter in that cab. Nichelle's father got lung cancer off a bunch of shit coming off the suits of some sun divers last year. Doctors couldn't do nothing for him. I know, <coughs> I know, Tavi said between coughs. Jeff handed him a bag with something rolled up in aluminum foil inside. Roti for the road, chicken, no bone. I have doubles if you want. No, Jeff was being too nice. He knew how Tavi was climbing out from a financial hole and had been bringing by extras after he closed up each night. Most of the food here was for non-human tourists, variations on foods that wouldn't upset their unique systems. Tavi had lied in taking the tourist pack here. The food out front was for the dog-like aliens, but the stuff in the bag was real, something Jeff made for folk who knew to come in through the back. Tavi did one more run back to JFK, and this time he flew a few loops around the megastructure. JFK Interspatial was the foot of a leg that stretched up into the sky, piercing the clouds and rising beyond until it reached space. It was a pier that led to the deep water where the vast alien ships that moved tourists from star to star docked. It was the pride of the U.S. Congress had financed it by pledging the entire country's GDP for a century to a galactic building consortium, so no one really knew how to build another one after it was done. But the promise was that increased Manhattan tourism would bring in jobs. Because with the galactics shipping in things to sell here in exchange for things they wanted, there wasn't much in the way of industrial capacity. Over half the U.S. economy was tourism. The rest, service jobs. Down at the bottom of JFK, the eager vacationers and sightseers disgorged into terminals designed for their varying biologies and then were kitted out for time on Earth. Or, like Tavi's latest customer, just bundled into a can that slid into the back of a cab, and that was then dropped off at one of the hotels dwarfing Manhattan's old buildings. When the drop-off of the tourist in a can that Tavi couldn't see or interact with was done, he headed home. That took careful flying over the remains of LaGuardia, which pointed off from Brooklyn toward the horizon, 
the way it had ever since it collapsed and fell out of stable orbit. Land around LaGuardia's remains was cheap, and Tavi lived in an apartment complex roofed by the charred chunk of the once-space elevator's outer shell. Home, sweet home, he said, coming in for a landing. There was a burning smell somewhere in the back of the cab. Smoke started filling the cabin, and the impellers failed. He remained in the air, the kynine misters doing their job and preventing him from losing neutral buoyancy, and coasted. Tavi wanted to get upset, hit the wheel, punch the dash, but he just bit his lip as the car finally stopped just short of the roof's parking spot. He had the misters spray some cancellation foam, and the car dropped a bit too hard to a stop. <laughs> At least you got home, Sienna said, laughing as he opened the doors to the cab and stumbled out. You know what I think of this galactic piece of shit. It gets the job done. Sienna poked her head into the cab, holding her breath. Her puffy hair bobbed against the side of the hatch. Can you fix it? He asked her. It was one of the dog things with the cinnamon breath? That gas they breathe catalyzes the O-rings. You need to spend some money to isolate the shaft back here. Next big tip, Tavi told her. She crawled back out and let out the breath she'd been holding. Okay, next big tip. I can work on it if you split dinner with me. She nodded at the bag Jeff had given him. Sure. There's also a man waiting by your door. Looks like tourist bureau. Shit. He didn't want anyone from the bureau out here, not in an illegal squat in the ruins of the space elevator now draped across this side of the world. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. And every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire. Michelle Obama, to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Because stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. 
Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Now, let's get back to our story. There was no air conditioning. The solar panels lashed to the scrap hull rooftop didn't pump out enough juice to make that a reality. But the motion-sensitive fans kicked on, and the LED track lights all leapt to attention as Tavi led the beat-faced tourist bureau agent through the mosquito netting. Your cab is having trouble? The agent... David Kahn had a tight haircut and glossy brown skin, the kind that meant he didn't spend much time outside loading aliens into the back of cabs. He had an office job. Sienna will fix it. She grew up a scrapper. Her father was one of the original decommissioners paid to work on picking LaGuardia up. Before, the contract was canceled and they all decided to stay put. Beer? Tavi passed him a sweaty red stripe from the fridge, which Khan nervously held in one hand as if he wanted to refuse it. Instead, he placed it against his forehead. The man had been waiting a while in the heat, and he was wearing a heavy suit. So, I am here to offer you a grant from the Greater New York Bureau of Tourism. Khan started, sounding a little unsure of himself. Uh, Grant, the Bureau is starting a modernization campaign to make sure our cabs are the safest on Earth. That means we'd like to take your cab in and have it retrofitted with better security, improved impellers, better airlocks, for the driver's safety. The driver... Of course. Tavi thought it was a line of bullshit. Human lives were cheap. There were billions teeming away on the planet. If Tavi ever stepped out, someone else would bid on his license to Manhattan and he'd be forgotten in days. Maybe even hours. Take it, Sienna said, pushing through the netting. That piece of shit needs any help it can get. Tavi didn't have to be told twice. He put his thumb to the documents, verbally repeated assent into a tiny red dot of a light, and then Khan said a tow truck was on its way. They watched the cab get lifted onto its back, the patchwork of a vehicle that Tavi had come to know every smelly inch of. 
What about the dead alien? Tavi asked. Well, according to the documents you just signed, you can never talk about the uh, incident again. Uh, I get it. Tavi waved a salute at the disappearing cab and tow truck. I figured as much when you said you had a grant, but what happens to the alien? Did you ever find the body? Khan let out a deep breath. We found it downstream of where it jumped. Why the hell did it do that? Why jump out? It was out of its mind on vacation drugs. Camera shows the party started in orbit with a few friends, continued down the JFK elevator all the way to the ground. When do you send the body back to its people? We don't! Khan looked around, surprised. No one wants to know a high-profile cephaloid of any kind has died on Earth. So... They didn't. The video of the fall no longer exists in any system. But they can track the body. Already fired off via an old-school rocket aimed at our sun. That leaves no evidence here. Nothing happened on Earth. Nothing happened to you. Khan shook hands with Sienna and Tavi and left. The next morning, a brand new cab was parked on the roof. Easier than scrubbing it all down for DNA, Sienna said. The old one's probably on a rocket as well, just like the body, being shot toward the sun as we speak. He scrambled up some eggs for his ever-hungry roomie and some extra for the Araji brothers next door. There were 30 other random clumps of real and found families living in welded-together scrap here. Several of them watched the sun creep over the rusted wreckage scattered from horizon to horizon as they ate breakfast. Tavi would head back into the drudgery of flying tourists around. Sienna would work at trying to pry something valuable out of the ruins. Just as they finished eating, a second cab descended from the clouds. It kicked up some dust as it settled in on the ground. Hey, asshole! Sienna shouted. If we all land on metal, we don't kick dust into everyone's faces. Grumbling assent rose into the morning air. The doors slid open, and Tommy felt his stomach drop. Another octopus-like alien stood on the ground, looking up at them. I'm looking for the human named Tavi. The speaker box on the exoskeleton buzzed. Is he here? Don't say a thing, Sienna hissed. Sienna, who had all the smarts built up from a lifetime of eat or be eaten while scavenging in the wreckage. I am Tavi. Tavi said, stepping down toward the alien. You're an idiot, Sienna said. She walked off towards the shadows under a pile of scrap and disappeared. The alien 
crouched in a spot of shade, trying to stay out of the sun, occasionally rubbing sunscreen over its photosensitive skin. I am the co-sponsor of the unit last seen in your vehicle when it came down to your planet for sightseeing. Tavi felt his stomach fall out from under him. Oh, he said numbly. He wasn't sure what a co-sponsor was or why the alien's language had been translated that way. He had the feeling this alien was a close friend or maybe even family member of the one he'd witnessed jump to its death. No one will tell me anything. Your representatives have done nothing but flail around and throw bureaucratic ink my way, the alien tourist said. I'm really sorry for your loss, Tavi said. So you are my last try before offensers get involved, the alien concluded. Offensers? The alien used one of its mechanized limbs to point up. A shadow passed over the land. Something vast skimmed over the clouds and blocked the sun. It hummed, and the entire land hummed back with it. Somehow, Tommy knew that whatever was up there could destroy a planet. Tavi's wristband vibrated. Incoming call. Khan. The world was crashing into him. Tavi felt it all waver for a moment. And then he took a deep breath. All I wanted to do was the right thing, he muttered and took the call. Very big alien destroyers, David Kahn said in a level but clearly terrified voice. We at the Greater New York Bureau of Tourism highly recommend you do whatever the being or beings currently in contact with you are asking, while also uh, acknowledging that we have no idea where the missing being they are referring to is. Please hold for the president. Tavi flicked the bracelet off. What do you want? Tavi asked the alien. I want to know the truth. I see you have an advanced exotic world's encounter suit. Would you like a real human beer with me? If that helps, it said. You have such a beautiful planet, so unspoiled, paradisical. I was swimming with whales in your Pacific Ocean yesterday. Tavi sat down and gave the alien a red stripe. It curled a tentacle around it, pulled it back towards its beak. They watched the trees curling around the LaGuardia debris shiver in the wind. The fluffy clouds ease through the pale blue sky. They deliberately sat with their backs to the section of sky filled with the destroyer. I've never been to the Pacific, Tavi admitted. Just the Caribbean, where my people come from, and the Atlantic. I'm a connoisseur of good oceans, the alien said. These are just 
some of the best. We used to fish on them when my grandfather owned a boat. Oh, does he still do that? I love fishing. He started uh, chartering it out, Tavi said. The Galactics bought out the restaurants, so he couldn't sell to his best markets anymore. They own anything near the best spots and all around the eastern seaboard now. I am sorry to hear that. Uh, about your friend. Tavi took a big swig. They jumped out of my cab when it was in the air. They were in an altered state. There was a long silence. Tavi waited for the world to end, but it didn't. So he continued, and the alien listened as he told his story. And there were no security systems to stop them from jumping? It asked when he finished. There were not on that cab. Wow. It said. How authentically human. How dangerous. I will have to audit your account against the confessions of your bureau, but I have to say I am very relieved. Did I suspect it foul play, and it turns out it was just an utterly authentic, primitive world experience. No door security. Overhead, long, fiery contrails burned through the sky. What is that? Tavi asked, nervous. Independent verification, the alien said. It stood up and jumped down to its cab. It looked closely at the rear doors. I could really just jump out of these, couldn't I? It opened the door, and Tavi who had hopped over the roof and down the stairs, caught a glimpse of a pale-faced driver inside. Sorry, friend, he thought. There were more shadows descending down out of space, larger and larger vessels moving through the atmosphere far above. What is happening? Tavi asked, mouth dry. No of your world has spread, it said. You are no longer an undiscovered little secret. Finding out we can digest in a cab ride, where else can you get to that danger? The cab lifted off and flew away. Sienna came back out of the shadows. There over every city now. They're offering ludicrous money for real estate. Tavi looked at the skies. Did you think it would ever stop? She put a hand on his shoulder. Beats them blowing us up, right? They do that sometimes to other worlds that fight it. He shook his head. <laughs> There's not going to be anything left for us down here, is there? They'll never want this. She spread her arms and pointed at the miles of space elevator junk. And I still have a new cab, he said. She put a hand on his shoulder. 
Maybe these new galactics coming down over the cities tip better. And for the first time in days, Tavi laughed. <laughs> That's always the hope, isn't it? story. I mean, who doesn't love a good aliens come to your planet and commit suicide and now you're scared shitless story, right? Set in New York, after all, because <laughs> if aliens are going to come to Earth and, and want to visit the, you know, the best place, it's going to be New York City. Um, everybody knows that. Tavi is like the last ethical cab driver in New York. And, and he's just trying to get through his day, right? And, 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 and get home and, and maybe have a roti. <laughs> and it's just, it's the, it's the passenger from hell, Right. It's it's the the cephalon uh, alien that jumps out of his cab from a thousand feet in the air, um, and you know you're about to have a bad day when some shit like that happens to you. So I I I, I empathize with Tavi. Um, I, I, he's kind of like a, a, a you know a, a comical Job like character who's just beset upon by one thing after another um, in his life. And you can't help but open your heart to guys like that. You, you, you know what you know what it is for me. It's like it's like Raymond Chandler turned on its on its ear, right? Because it's it's a typical potboiler, right? It, it, it's it's a, it, it, you know what it is a procedural. It's a procedural, right? It, there's a crime happened, and the crime has to get investigated, and and the New York. Port Authority sends out their guy and there's an investigation and then they, they just want to give him a new cab. Then nobody wants to talk about this alien who's died. Um, it, it's, it, this could be very much at home on an episode of, of Law & Order. Q Law & Order, Musical Sting. I think one of the things that I really like most about uh, Tobias's story is, uh, is the, not simply the, the tongue planted firmly in his cheek. It's the wink, I am certain, and the twinkle in his eye as he wrote it. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Marie Smith. She's the best in the business, y'all. Our researcher, Lakeisha Lewis. So glad you are aboard, my sister. Editing and sound design by the extraordinary Brendan Burns. And we have editing support from Tamika Weatherspoon and Harry Huggins, the new New Kids on the Block. And my thanks, of course, to Tobias Buckel for allowing me to read his work. If you liked this story, check out 
his novel, The Tangled Lands, written with Paolo Bacigalupi. And he has many other novels and over 70 short stories for you to discover. Go to TobiasBuckel.com. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend, why don't you? Pick your favorite story and send it to them. And hey, you can hear episodes ad-free if you like and also listen to exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar to start your free trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter, at LeVar Burton, and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LeVarBurton.com is my corner of the interwebs. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.